these are the people who are, are working hardest, they're frontline, they're more at risk of contracting COVID, and they're trying to do it all with that balancing act of family and, and work and, and home. Quebec has had affordable childcare system for decades now, and they have higher numbers of women in their workforce. And I mean, we have living proof. So what more do you need? This is Pandemic at Work, an SGU podcast. My name is Amy Husiak, and this episode is our final one of this limited series where we are exploring how COVID has impacted SGU members and workers across Saskatchewan. This week, we're wrapping up the series by talking about women, specifically how the pandemic has disproportionately impacted working women. COVID-19 has resulted in huge job losses for women. As our country has gone through lockdowns that have heavily affected the service sector, bars in the restaurant industry, and other places where high numbers of women, especially young women, work. On the flip side, women who've been working from home have disproportionately picked up the responsibility for childcare, caring for school-aged children whose classrooms went virtual, and doing the extra housework that comes along with having a family at home all day. Finally, healthcare and education, two sectors that by a vast majority are staffed by women, have felt some of the biggest impacts of this pandemic. Healthcare workers have been working in a high-risk environment to provide care to people who are sick and dying under extraordinarily stressful conditions. And education workers are, to this day, working with children who aren't yet eligible to be vaccinated and are getting COVID at growing rates. To talk about the impact that the pandemic has had on women and what we need to do to ensure workers of all genders recover economically from this pandemic, we have two guests with us today. First is Elizabeth Kwan, Senior Researcher at the Canadian Labour Congress in Ottawa. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. Our second guest today is Tanya Turner, Chair of the SGEU Women's Committee, joining us today from Saskatoon. Welcome to the podcast. It's wonderful to be here. So Elizabeth, I want to start with you because you work with workers all over Canada and with groups of trade unionists all around the world. How has this pandemic affected women? What have women been experiencing over the past 18 months? Well, thanks for that question. And I think that I'm just going to focus on uh, three sort of things that come to mind. Um, First is on the jobs front. Lots of women have lost jobs. And even though time has passed and some of those jobs have come back, women have actually not gained those jobs as much as men have. And of course, if a woman lives with intersecting uh, inequalities, so if they're youth or if they're immigrants or indigenous uh, all racialized, or even uh, if they if they have a disability, that it uh, makes their their struggles uh, even more severe in this pandemic, and uh, that is one of the the key sort of areas. And the second point would be with the pandemic, women have um, gained more care responsibilities at home as well as at work and trying to to juggle both uh, at the same time. Uh, But in fact, you know, when the schools closed, it was mostly women who did the homeschooling. And with everyone at home, they did more of the domestic housekeeping stuff because everyone was at home. And the third is around safety. 
safety at work and safety at home. The safety of women have been actually not been great because of increasing racism and xenophobia. Women have had to um, use the emergency crisis lines more. Plus, the, the thing is that because everyone was cooped up, you know, uh, I think that it also made it very difficult if there were issues of abuse at home, because it's not like they could leave the house and, and sort, you know, look for help or go to a shelter. And that made it a lot worse. And I mean, it, it's just our system was not set up for this is a very kind way of putting it. But I think the system uh, was full of inequalities in the first place. And really, when the pandemic came, Everything that that was there that was a pre-existing inequality and just amplified it a uh, hundred, a thousand times for whoever was, you know, kind of affected there. And I think women bore the brunt of of that those effects for sure. So to bring things more locally here to the prairies, Tanya, which issues have you seen playing out here in Saskatchewan? The things that have been playing out here in Saskatchewan are very similar to what. Elizabeth was talking about with her three points. I, there have been many lost jobs. I had a temporary layoff. I was laid off because of COVID for four months and redeployed to a different job. And now I'm back at my other job. As, as Elizabeth said, there have been many jobs recouped, but there's lasting impact that comes along with that. The skewed balance and increased responsibility for women is definitely there. The thing that I wanted to talk about most that's impacted us here is the safety. And there's the safety at work, of course, but there's also the safety at home. And Saskatchewan already, before the pandemic, had one of the highest rates of domestic violence in the country. And so putting the stress of the pandemic, the fatigue of the pandemic, those rates are higher than ever. It was sad to see in the news that just yesterday we lost a woman who was killed by a partner she was trying to leave from an abusive relationship. There's only 15 emergency shelters in Saskatchewan. Of course, they've got reduced capacity because of the pandemic, because they're keeping their distancing protocols in place. And so they're only operating at 50 to 75% of their capacity. And so, you know, there's more people who are trying to, are experiencing domestic violence. Hopefully those people are trying to leave those situations and there aren't the systems in place to support them. So you've both pointed to several different things that have impacted women at work, at home, in the economy. And I want to come back to this concept of a gendered economy. And Tanya, I know that you work in the education sector. um, So maybe I'll I'll ask this to you first. So some of the sectors that have had to deal with the most intense effects of COVID, like healthcare, long-term care, education, childcare, have workforces that are, are largely women. So do you think our governments have done a good job supporting these workforces and the women who work in them? Or what is your response to that? The short answer would be no. (laughs) There hasn't been the support that those sectors need. The word that I've heard just recently that really speaks to how we're handling this situation is scrambling. There's no clear 
understanding of the best way to go forward because we're just in this constant state of stress and and uncertainty. And people are exhausted from that. So I think about the education group, which is predominantly female. I think about the health care sector and the social services areas, which is in incredibly 80% women. Those are the sectors that have been hit hardest through the pandemic. And they're the folks who need the support most now, especially in this time of like extreme fatigue that, that they're in. They, there needs to be an end to the understaffing and we need to get some of those vacant positions filled. Wage top-ups would be helpful, I think. The SASC party in the last election promised hiring 300 additional continuing care assistants. That needs to happen. These are the people who are, are working hardest, they're frontline, they're more at risk of contracting COVID and they're trying to do it all with that balancing act of family and, and work and, and home. I also think about the retail workers who often are without paid sick leave. One of my committee counterparts has health issues. She works in retail and so she's been on leave. And so of course, with that reduced income, she's struggling not knowing when she can go back to work. Her doctor wants her to do some special therapies, which aren't accessible right now because of the increase and in spike in the variant. So she has no idea when she's going to be able to get back to work. And that kind of uncertainty just leaves her you know, not very, not very satisfied. Almost half of Canadian workers don't have access to paid sick days. They have to choose between going to work sick or staying home without pay and potentially falling short on rent, prescriptions or grocery bills. Why should workers have to make this choice? Take action at sgeu.org. Elizabeth, what have you seen happening across Canada more broadly? I would say that in, in terms of um, Canada, we are a strange animal. <laughs> We have the federal government, we have the provincial territorial governments, and then we have the municipal governments. And um, the tensions between all those levels of governments, I think sometimes there were barriers to getting help to people. And, you know, quite frankly, I, I think that is disgusting when politicians play politics uh, with this sort of uh, situation such as a pandemic. When the federal government uh, says we are going to put this much money on the table for, let's say, making sure that there's more PPE around and the provincial premiers are there, some of them uh, not even uh, taking the money. When the uh, long-term care facility says, oh, you know what, uh, preserve the gowns that you use for uh, personal protective equipment. You should not be throwing them out after each use. So just put a garbage bag over to protect yourself. No, that is not protection. Workers don't deserve that sort of treatment. Secondly, the working conditions during the pandemic were really bad, especially in places where people, workers were deemed essential. When governments kind of are wishy-washy about, oh, well, you know, we'll put in a public health order that, you know, even if you're tested positive, if you have no symptoms, we'll put you uh, somewhere in the building, but away from patients. No, it doesn't work that way. And to kind of 
impose things that put a worker's life at risk goes against everything that we in unions work for. But I think the one thing that really sort of um, struck me was that the provincial governments were trying to reopen the economy every time there was a dip in COVID cases. A lot of the reopening, I feel, is really driven by business and not driven by the fact that the actual priority should be the, the health of the residents, of the workers. And I think that it's a very dangerous shell game. I wanted to pick up on something that you point to, Elizabeth, um, because here in Saskatchewan, at least the last numbers that I saw, of all of our government COVID-19 related spending, something like 90% came from the federal government and 10% came from the province. And, uh, you know, it really goes to show that our provincial government here wasn't spending money on supporting workers and was almost fully relying on the federal government to make that happen. With that, some of the things that we saw happen with that money is, for example, money that was designated or earmarked by the federal government to go to wage top-ups for frontline workers never left the government coffers. It's sitting there in some kind of shell game to make it look like that the provincial budget is doing better than it is. But the, the bottom line is that this money is not going to workers. And in particular, when you think about how it's not going to workers who work in healthcare, and knowing that so many women work in healthcare, it means it's money that's not going to women. And so what, from your perspectives, does the government need to invest in to be investing in women's economic well-being right now? I, I think that um, public affordable childcare is definitely one of the big things. Every dollar invested in childcare actually comes back kind of like multiple times. It, it's something that we have advocated for for a very long time uh, to, to help women. Quebec has had affordable childcare system for decades now, and they have higher numbers of women in their workforce. And I mean, we have living proof. So what more do you need? Um, when we talk about job losses, it's not just about losing a job or, you know, reduce hours, losing, losing pay. It's about also women have, uh, before the pandemic, even at that point, because of the more precarious nature, generally, of, of women's um, uh, employment, women don't accumulate as much um, CPP, Canada Pension because it's according to um, basically how much you make, right? And how much you work and all of that. So when you take women either out of full-time jobs or, or reduce hours, it actually means that their contribution to their own uh, Canada Pension Plan is less. And that is in the end hurtful to women. So I, I think that these are some of the things that, that uh, women need to really kind of come back more equally. And it's it's the same, you know, as I said before, if you are a, a person living with disability, a, a woman who's racialized, indigenous woman, it is really a lot tougher because, you know, not only do you have to, you know, push against a system that already uh, basically doesn't um, uh, give you equally and treat you equally, right? 
you are actually also pushing against a system that is uh, racist and discriminatory in most ways. So I think that those are the things that really we need to tackle moving forward. You've both pointed to the fact that women from diverse backgrounds and in a variety of workplaces have experienced this pandemic quite differently, and at the same time have felt the impacts of the government's lack of support for workers quite differently. So as a final question to you both, if you could give our governments a couple of pieces of advice on how to make our economic recovery work for people of all genders, what would you say? If you could pick up the phone and speak directly to the prime minister or the premier, what advice would you give them? You know, to be able to provide an economic recovery for all people, I reference a report that was released. It's called Women, Work, and COVID-19. And in there, there are three strategies. I really believe in these three strategies. So these would be the three things that I would want the government to hear. The first is that we need to take the profit out of healthcare. Caring services need to be comprehensive. Second, we need to have that national affordable childcare program that is high quality and accessible to everyone. And third, we need to have strong labor protections, pay equity. It's something we don't have here in the province of Saskatchewan yet. We don't have any legislation to, to talk about pay equity. We need paid sick days for everyone. And we need to be aware of and then remove those barriers, such as systematic racism and ableism. Additionally, in Saskatchewan, of course, we need a fair minimum wage. Even with the adjustment that's planned for next month, it's still going to be only the second lowest by six cents. <laughs> so we, we have some work to do there as well. Elizabeth, what would you say? I would say that if I was in the elevator with whoever had the power to make the, the changes happen, and I had to only go up three floors with this person, <laughs> I would say make this recovery about workers. End discrimination and racism. Find ways of closing those gaps and bringing people in. If study after study has shown that if people were not facing barriers, who are women, who are youth, who are racialized, indigenous, um, living with a disability, we can produce a lot more with people, more people in the workplace. I mean, people need to understand that before the pandemic, we actually, we weren't doing that well. And the reason was that, you know, it just kept taking from people uh, from basically the, the lowest wage, vulnerable and marginalized people. And the only people who gained, like it's that 1% at the top, the guy that went up into space, where do you think his money came from? It's from pockets of people who are struggling. That's why I say, you know, make this recovery about workers. We have to make sure that, as Tanya said, a lot of these services should be public services, have good childcare, good good jobs with good working conditions, pensions and benefits. That's how we get through this. And that's how we really will grow together and, and build together something that is worthwhile. So you've both given us a lot to think about. I think given our listeners a lot to think about, there's some strong calls to action that I've heard. I want to thank you both so much for coming on the podcast and for sharing your knowledge and your perspectives. 
Yes, indeed, it was a pleasure. Well, thank you for having us. It's clear that women have disproportionately felt and are still feeling some of the biggest impacts of COVID-19 on the workplace. To address these big issues, we need an economic recovery plan that works for women and that has specific provisions to help young women and women from equity-seeking groups recover. Do you have a story about the impact of the pandemic on women you'd like to share with us? You can share your story with us on Twitter at SGEU or send us a message on Facebook at SGEU.SK. And that's it, folks. That is our last episode of Pandemic at Work. I'd like to thank all of our guests who have shared their stories and their knowledge over the past six episodes. If you haven't listened to all the episodes yet, I encourage you to check them out. We've talked about the impacts of COVID on our members in long-term care, corrections, frontline workers, and how the pandemic has impacted workers' mental health. And I'd also like to thank the staff who have worked hard behind the scenes to make this podcast happen. As SGU's first podcast, this has been a learning process for all of us, and we hope to bring you more content in this format soon. And finally, I'd like to thank you for listening. Please reach out and let us know what you'd like to see on future podcasts by sending us a message on social media or an email at podcast at sgu.org. This is Amy Husiak signing off of Pandemic at Work. Take care. This has been an SGEU podcast. The Saskatchewan Government and General Employees Union represents 20,000 members across the province in six sectors and is affiliated with the National Union of Public and General Employees, the Saskatchewan Federation of Labour, and the Canadian Labour Congress. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at podcast at sgeu.org.